Everybody and welcome back to the Game Bite Show podcast. Today is uh, looking at my little cl- oh, February twenty sixth, twenty seventeen. Totally, I have no idea. Yeah, you know, there's there comes a time in your life when you just don't know what day it is, and you just don't really care so much. My name is Legrand, your host, joined with my other co-host Jeremy Lamont. Uh, where am I? What what year is it? No idea, man. Doesn't even matter. Did I February's pay my mortgage over. this month? Yeah, you need to pay it in two days. It's due on the first. That's what mine's do. Every time I walk out the door, I feel like I'm forgetting something really critical. Yeah. And over in the right side, Dale Jones. Hello, Dale. Hi. All the way from Beaverton. Where's my checkbook? Yeah. Who has a checkbook these days? You guys have checkbooks? You guys use checkbooks? Well, yeah. question mark. I mean, every, you have to have one for those times when someone will only accept some kind of payment in the mail by check. I, I don't know where it would be right now, but I'm sure I have one. Because, you know, I, I remember distinctly practicing and writing, like, when you do the little, like, the 3200s and then you write the lines so nobody can, mm-hmm. like, write in a whole oh. bunch of extra money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to, like, get that line all it's the It's, like, the best it. part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, mm, like, it's done. I've always had oh, to pay dude. my, uh, whether it was, like, rent or mortgage payments or whatever, that's always been checks for me. For whatever reason. Really? They, they want checks. Yeah. You don't pay yeah. your mortgage online? Nope. I mean, I, I could, but I would have to actually... Like call someone up and set up a thing, and it's uh, since I have checks, I might as well just use them. Oh yeah. But that's I write one. Che- oh, and the other thing we use checks for is like um, for preschool payments and you know just stuff like that. Like whenever you want to delay someone and be like, yeah, here, take this, mm-hmm. and maybe at some point there will be money there for you. And you set the date for like two right. months in the future. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like what year is it again? It was 2018 last time I checked. That's why, yeah. that's why checks are good. You can troll people financially. Heck yes. <laughs> for when you want to troll people financially, checks. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. It's um, uh, Sunday. Let's talk about some video game news. Uh, it's also Nintendo Switch week. Yeah. That comes out this week. Uh, Friday here. I think worldwide, right? They're doing like a worldwide thing? They are, yep. In extremely right, limited yeah. quantities, but it is a worldwide release, so good for them. Extremely limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's coming out Friday. Be there, or be square, I guess. Or be like vaguely that. rectangle with removable edges that kind of make it more square. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that disconnect from the main square unit. I- exactly, yes. Okay, well, let's talk about some news, Jeremy. Yes. Take it away. Top of the week, we are talking about the news that happened in this past week in video games. We're going to start out with the DICE Awards. It seems like there's always an award show of some kind going on here or there, and uh, this past week, the DICE Awards, which uh, they are given only to... uh, A 20-sided one, again. Exactly. So they have uh, DICE that you you roll, they have uh, DICE, the EA subsidiary uh, studio, only those games can get DICE Awards. Uh, No, actually, uh, the DICE Awards... uh, favored Overwatch this year. Uh, Overwatch took the Game of the Year award at DICE along with three other awards including 
uh, outstanding achievement in game design. They also had uh, outstanding achievement in online gameplay and super overrated game of the year Overwatch. Um, (laughs) We also saw some awards given out to outstanding achievement in game direction at Inside. Actually, here's something that I really did find uh, unique. Uh, At DICE, they have the Sprite Award, which is created to recognize a game that has limited resources for development and exposure. uh, Overwatch. Actually, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that was given to Inside. Uh, So those were the only two games that uh, made an appearance. No, actually, uh, Eagle Flight won for Immersive Reality Technical Achievement. Immersive Reality Game of the Year went to Superhot VR. Mobile Game went to Pokemon. Handheld Game went to Pokemon, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Um, And then it was Overwatch, Inside. Uh, Steep won Sports Game of the Year. I guess it's either that or, you know, an EA game. Uh, Sid Meier's Civilization VI took home Best Strategy Slash Simulation Game of the Year, and uh, Role Playing Slash Massively Multiplayer Game of the Year went to Dark Souls Three, which uh, I'm not 100% sure it fits in either of those categories. So. Yeah, right. It's a role playing game. I guess there's numbers somewhere in there, I suppose. Um, Family Game of the Year went to Ratchet and Clank, and actually Uncharted Four took uh, took home a, f- a couple of good ones, including Adventure Game of the Year, Outstanding Technical Achievement, and Outstanding Achievement in Story. So, over at the Dice Awards. Uh, actually, I was going to lead with this one, but uh, Dale, do you remember when uh, Zenimax won that uh, ruling in court against Oculus and you said, hey, at least they didn't have a ruling or an injunction against them to like get the profits from their sales? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, uh, I remember that you said that <laughs> because uh, now in the news this week, Zenimax Media has uh, filed a motion, filed an injunction against Oculus to stop the sale of Oculus Rift and any associated software that infringes on the their copyrighted code. Oh. Get them while they're hot. Yeah, that's right. So uh, if you guys remember, the uh, actual award from the lawsuit was $500 million in damages to ZeniMax. Uh, about $50 million of that was uh, for copyright infringement. But according to ZeniMax, it's not quite enough. And according to their lawyers in a court filing, the jury's damage award here, however substantial, which it was, is an insufficient incentive for the defendants, meaning Oculus, to cease infringing. Uh, They said that just minutes after the jury revealed its verdict, Facebook's COO Sheryl Sandberg publicly stated that the jury's verdict of half a billion dollars was not material, quote-unquote, to Facebook's financials. Uh, They intend to block the sale and distribution of any Oculus products that use their, uh, meaning ZeniMax's, copyrighted code, uh, which, uh, if you think about it, would not impact only Oculus, but also any developers working on software for the Rift. Um, although, if uh, the court rejects the idea of halting sales, Zenimax has said that the court should grant the company an ongoing royalty, uh, which according to uh, testimony from the trial, an ongoing royalty of 20% for at least 10 years on revenues derived from products incorporating Zenimax's intellectual property would be appropriate. Uh, so we're going to have to wait and find out how this uh, actually falls, but uh, yeah, I guess the the ruling against... You know, which I find kind of interesting, because I seem to remember from the ruling against Oculus that uh, there really wasn't any um, fault found as far as stealing their material, I think. Um, do, do, am I remembering that ring correctly? I thought it was all about... It was about... like weird. It was like really weird, right? Yeah, it seems like it was mostly for, like, their... uh, I remember there was Palmer Lucky's um, non-disclosure agreement that was violated, and then the thing with John Carmack and his uh, computer-erasing antics, but it seems like they had said that there wasn't But John Carmack ended up not having to pay any money or something, right? Something. All the other guys did. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether any of that has any material impact on this injunction request, and um, I'm assuming that we'll probably get some, some kind of ruling back on it here in the near future, at which point I'm sure we will cover 
it on the show. Uh, Irrational Games, which uh, you guys probably remember for the Bioshock series, first and foremost, mm-hmm. or the other Shock games, I suppose, System Shock and uh, Culture Shock, I don't know. So I'm sure there was something else that they did. Um, they were closed down mostly in 2014 after Bioshock Infinite was released, but this week they have rebranded themselves as Ghost Story Games, uh, according to a new website that says they're working on something brand new. I don't like it. No? Why is that? No, I, I like the, the name Irrational better than the name Ghost Story. Ghost Story. And by the way, System Shock, I think, was Looking Glass? Looking Glass Studios, that's right, Warren Spector's. And Irrational uh, would have done, what, like SWAT 4 and the Freedom Force games? Uh, that's right, the superhero turn-based action game, or strategy game, whatever it is. And then they were briefly renamed 2K Boston for a while? For, I... well, for several years, actually, because like, right when Bioshock came out, they were called, they, all the studios were named 2K City, right? This and that. And then yeah. like sometime before Bioshock Infinite, they changed their name back to Irrational. Sure. That's true. So they have a they have a history of changing their names. So this is yeah. you know, par for the course. It'll be back to Irrational. And this we'll must know. be like the the narrative Legos team though, right? Because that's what uh Ken Levine has been up to, apparently. Yeah, so Ken Levine actually is one of the members. that Currently, they have a 12-member founding team, uh, including Ken Levine. And, Dale, they actually do have a response to your comment about the name. Uh, they say that um, the... We like it, so be yeah, quiet. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, go to hell, Dale Jones. Uh, they say that ghost stories are immersive, exciting, and steeped in community. The name reminds us of our mission, which is simple, to create immersive, story-driven games for people who love games that ask something of them. While we believe that our new games will have strong appeal to fans, of Bioshock, our new focus allows us to craft experiences where the gameplay is as challenging uh, as uh, the stories. Spooky experiences. Hold on, let me Jeremy. get my flashlight and turn off the lights here. Yeah, I'm actually Shot doing that right face. now. Yes, from the like the bottom up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, that is uh, about all we have on that new studio. They haven't really said what they're working on yet, although they are actively hiring, and we probably can expect something to come from them in the near future. You like have to Dale change says. your name if you want them to hire me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) They'll come knocking at your door with a different name. Uh, Humble Bundle. You guys may have noticed in the past couple of weeks there was a Humble Freedom Bundle that was done uh, specifically for uh, the ACLU. Uh, It closed this past week and was a major success with more than 200,000 units of that package being sold for a final tally of about $6.43 million, which went to the American Civil Liberties Union, Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières, and the International Rescue Committee. Uh, Humble will also be matching $300,000 of customers' uh, contributions, uh, basing that on the, uh, I guess, on the volume of sales that they did, so that'll add on to that as well, so it actually goes over $6.5 million. Um, pretty amazing considering that this was the first bundle that I'm aware of where there was actually a minimum price tag of $30. So this wasn't one of the pay-what-you-want uh, bundles that they typically do. This is a huge um, bundle, though, so I can see why. It had, like, 50 games in it or something, right? Tons of books, buy it? books and, like, graphic novels, I think, were in it, too. I actually had that went... one new game that everyone wanted, The Witness. The had Witness was on there. Stardew Valley was, like was headline, in there. Right? Yep, yep, The Witness, Stardew Valley, Song of the Deep was in there. Uh, other books and things were in there as well, but yeah, more than 50 games. And actually, to answer your question, Grant, I went to buy it on the last day, and it had already ended, so <laughs> I sort of missed out on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had, like, what, three weeks? I, well, I like being a procrastinator. Like procrastinator. Yeah, exactly. I already so owned, I, like, most of those games, I think, that were on there. So Yeah, the games know. that I cared to play I already had. So I, I, and, I, and I sort of figured eventually, I, I mean, they, they would come around again, so I wasn't too... 
um, too, too bummed about it, especially yeah, especially considering that they they did so well. Uh, company founder Jeffrey Rosen of the Humble Group uh, says that I'm blown away by the generosity of our developer partners and authors who donated their games and books, as well as the Humble Bundle community that paid the 6.43 million dollars. And uh, yeah, this uh, this bundle was launched uh, more or less in direct opposition to some heavily criticized presidential executive actions, uh, including weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys probably know what those are all about, but uh, yeah. Uh, so that's why nonprofits like ACLU and uh, Doctors Without Borders were were sort of uh, brought into this, and uh, I think that resonated with the public. They they did very well. Hmm. So. Uh, something else that's resonated pretty well with the public, PlayStation VR. You guys may remember that this past week I got my hands on a unit, and uh, as if by magic, uh, they have now, at Sony, released some information about the total numbers of unit sales, just so that I can be the uh, 915,000th and one person to buy one. Uh, that's you right. You them over to the edge. Like, I, okay, we're going to announce it. They this did moment. just and now. Exactly. Jeremy went to Costco, and there it was. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Andrew House was talking to the New York Times. Andrew House is the chief executive of Sony Interactive Entertainment, the, the whole worldwide organization. Uh, talking to New York Times uh, revealed the 915,000 unit sales figure. This is sold through to consumers, by the way, not just sold through to uh, retailers uh, came pretty close to Sony's internal goal of pushing a million units within the hardware's first six months of availability. Uh, House further indicated that if no more than 10% of PlayStation 4's install base buy the PlayStation VR, he would be, quote, very happy. Uh, kind Is of that more than what we use sold? <laughs> I have more than a million, I'm sure, overall. But uh, in the in the last six months, I'm sure that it outstripped the Wii U. I I, I have to believe. Um, the interesting thing is that no one really in the VR hardware space has announced any raw sales figures for their platforms. In fact, actually, these days, it's probably less and less common for any hard numbers to really be discussed. Um, and in fact, even Sony in their last couple of statements about the PlayStation 4 haven't really specified how well the PS4 proper has done or the PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, and of course, neither Oculus nor HTC have given any official record of what they've sold. Um, analysts have given some estimates, and they both end up smaller than what Sony has announced here, uh, although the time span is not really equivalent uh, since those had, had been released beforehand. Uh, the Times goes on... I've, I've got a thought. What's that? I think I think that um, when the Oculus and the Vive came out, they were like being sold only by Oculus and or Vive. Like you bought them from them, right? You mm -hmm, pre-ordered mm -hmm. on their websites, and they shipped them out to you. Yeah. I think that Sony being a hardware manufacturer and knowing how to distribute hardware, you know, to stores and whatnot, I bet that, I bet sales for the PSVR were way higher than the Oculus and the Vive were in their first six months by quite a bit. Yeah, well, and, you know, not only, like you said, knowing how to do it, but actually having an active distribution channel for that product already, uh, you know, across the country. Can, so. can you imagine, like, you know, dudes at some warehouse for Oculus shipping out 915,000 units, like, <laughs> no. in six months? Yeah, that no. would be... No, that, I don't think it happened. Yeah, but, there, there definitely was a bottleneck in that process, too. I mean, you suffered from that as well when you, you know, placed right. your order, and it took however many weeks for them to actually fulfill the order even after the thing had launched, so... Yeah, it was a weird thing. Yeah, clearly logistics were, were definitely part of it, but, um, you know, the other thing, of course, is the, the install base, and in fact, the Times piece goes into the fact that, uh, you know, the PlayStation VR having that 
you know, just the fact that it's a, an existing product that you simply add on to it, and uh, you know, a very low cost platform typically is, a, you know, in contrast to PCs, and also the lower system requirements. I guess the you know, the the high end requirements on on most. In fact, I don't think my PC could could run an Oculus uh, if I wanted to, and it's not a you know, it's not an old junker either. But uh, yeah, check that out over at the uh, New York Times and uh, see what Andrew House has to say about PlayStation VR. Uh, other logistical and businessy kinds of things going on. Valve has revealed that it will be paying a, uh, or rather, it will be charging a GST goods and service tax to not only Australian users, but to countries all over the European Union and Oceanic regions. Um, this is. Uh, Coming into effect as early as next month, uh, none of these include the United States. I think we're mostly paying our taxes. In fact, actually, I can't remember. Are we are we paying taxes on Steam purchases? I feel like there's... I don't think so. Mm, no. Awesome. Well, you know... Dale's like, huh, I live in Oregon. I don't, I don't, yeah, pay, I don't pay tax at all. Tax, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so starting in like March... Cool. We've got uh, upwards of eight, anywhere between eight and twenty-four percent tax, going from eight uh, percent in Switzerland up to the twenty-four percent in Iceland. Uh, Japan wow. will pay eight percent, New Zealand fifteen percent, uh, Serbia in April will be paying twenty percent, Australia will pay ten percent in July. Um, however, this will be included in the advertised price of the product, just like the VAT is currently treated in the European Union, meaning that the customer will pay the price displayed on the storefront, and the tax will be separated out afterwards uh, on the ticket. Um, interestingly, uh, thinking about why Valve is starting to make these changes, you guys might remember in the last couple of weeks, we've reported on the European Commission's investigation into those anti-competitive practices going on in the European Union, um, which included other companies like Bandai Namco, Capcom, uh, Zenimax was on that list as well. Um, and it may just be putting Valve in the mind of compliance and making sure that they are really following the rules uh, for all of those kinds of things across the board. So uh, I guess just be aware if you're in any of those countries that I mentioned, uh, and, and maybe a few more, in fact, um, you, you may be paying a little bit more for your games on Steam, unfortunately. Uh, hey guys, uh, Overwatch is still going on, and they are still working on releasing new heroes, and this week we got a new blog post highlighting a character called Effie Oladele, who is an 11-year-old <laughs> robotics prodigy from Numbani, and in the universe she is the recipient of the, quote, Adawe Foundation's prestigious Genius Grant. Um, the blog post is sort of an in-universe interview with Odelele, and... Um, or Oladele, I guess I should pronounce that correctly, uh, an in-universe interview with Oladele, which discusses her achievements in robotics and artificial intelligence. Uh, you guys might remember that before they released uh, the Sombra character, there was that whole alternate reality thing following her hacking through different... Uh, you know, different things, and it was kind of a fun thing the community followed along with. Uh, probably not related to the most recent hero that we've been discussing on the podcast, which is Doomfist. Remember, we were talking about Terry Crews and the all the speculation going around going on around that. Um, Oladele will uh, may or may not be the twenty fourth hero, but the thing is that she's just a little kid, so she's uh, eleven years old, and I don't know that we're really going to see an eleven year old character you know, jumping out into the fray of things. So uh, it's possible what that... If, uh, what if she controls, like, some big mecha doom fist thing? 
Exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. So it could be like robots or, you know, maybe it could be someone related to her or you, you never really know. But uh, in a Twitter post from the lead writer of Overwatch, Michael Chu, he says that the interview takes place in the present day. So it's not like a history backstory sort of thing. And, um, you know, we're, we're probably going to see more about this in the coming weeks as well. But just uh, head on over to the Overwatch website to see what is going on over there. In the world of meat space games, uh, which, you know, kind of cross over with video games from time to time, uh, Cards Against Humanity is getting a pack related to uh, Mass Effect. And uh, it is a $1 expansion, which uh, is currently on sale over the Cards Against Humanity website. Free shipping is available to U.S. customers. If you're interested in this, uh, they are selling through only one iteration of this, so once they are sold out on the site, they are done forever, according to Trin Garitano, who is the director of events, emotions, and various promotions at Cards Against Humanity. Um, and uh, they have a little art pack that comes along with them. It's pretty cool. Mostly it's about characters canoodling each other, I think, is, is how this works. Um, Shepard and Kaidan smooch <laughs> when you close the booklet, according to the artist who, who made the, um, the pack in. <laughs> and uh, this is actually the second branded pack that Cards Against Humanity has produced. A couple of years ago, there was one for House of Cards, the Netflix TV series uh, a couple of years back. And uh, Cards Against Humanity did work directly with Bioware to write the cards for this pack, but they did not get to play Mass Effect Andromeda early, unfortunately. Uh, there are 14 cards in this $1 pack. Um, funny thing is, they said that they had actually come up with 700 cards, but all except for 14 of them were bad, uh, according to Garitano. So um, he says they had to push through a few non-sex cards just to widen the appeal of the deck as well. So if you have smooched aliens in Mass Effect, then you may want to head over as quickly as possible to Cards Against Humanity and get yourself one of those. Uh, in speedrunning and exhibition gaming news, a speedrunner, Piotr Delgado, who is known as the Mexican runner, uh, sorry, Piotr Delgado, the Mexican runner, Kuzielchuk, has uh, completed a speedrun through the entire NES archive of games, which is 714 games in total, and ended with Super Mario Bros. 3. Kazelchuk uh, spent more than 3,000 hours playing through a library of titles, which started as a dare from a friend who had joked that he should take the A to Z approach and speedrun those games. Uh, instead of only playing the games for a few minutes, uh, he had received a challenge to play the games all the way through from beginning to end, and uh, he began this with the game Wampum, Wampum, on May 28, 2014, and uh, he's released a little bit of a note on his blog. He says, almost three years had passed, and what started as an impossible quest had become an achievable reality. The list of unbeaten games shrunk to only a few titles, and the excitement for the last few games had been growing. Closer I got to the end, the more Never nostalgia... Never beaten Mario 3, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Closer I got to the end, the more nostalgia and responsibility I felt. I wanted to make sure this epic quest had a proper ending that could honor how big and how important it had been in my life. Uh, so as I said, he played through every single NES game that was released in North America, including 35 PAL-exclusive games. Kazelchek uh, has already made a name for himself. He's already known for records in Battletoads and Contra, uh, in which he holds some records, but he is now the first person to accomplish speedrunning all 714 games. Uh, in total, uh, it looks like Kazelchek has clocked in more than 200,000 minutes and about 900 days overall from beginning to, to end, finishing wow. the project, and uh, more That's dedication than I've got. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. How's your little uh, backlog doing, Dale? Uh, well, it's smaller than the catalog of NES games. Oh, okay. Just, <laughs> but one, just wondering. I don't know. Maybe not just by much, but... A to Z thing. 
And uh, very last, wrapping up the news in speedrunning this week, I took a little bit of flack a couple weeks ago for reporting on the closure of Club Penguin. Uh, it's back in the news again, and I am not going to apologize for putting it in, because there is a new speedrunning trend that has caught on relating to Club Penguin, you guys. Uh, and it involves people getting banned from Club Penguin as fast as possible. Um, <laughs> so this, uh, this started out over at uh, Reddit, where user Buttonwalls started to, um, I guess, go through the process of registering and then immediately typing vulgarities into the, uh, into the chat window for the game and was banned in under two minutes. And I guess people liked it so much that they started making a thing out of it. So there's now a Banned from Club Penguin subreddit, which is currently loaded with videos from people successfully banning themselves from Club Penguin. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because it started out where the, the majority of the time that it took, uh, in fact, the original video by Buttonwalls now has more than 700,000 views since <laughs> February 19th, uh, and most of the time it took just registering the new account, so a lot of players were like, oh, we could probably do that faster, and then now there's this whole thing going on. There's a run that lasted 29 seconds, and, I mean, it's just nuts, so you can go check this out. Club Penguin of Cell, uh, of course, is going to uh, be... Finally a speed run I could probably excel at. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Club Penguin is closing down on March 29th, and uh, we talked about how there will be a revamped version of Club Penguin Island coming out. The only question that I have now is, will this trend carry over into Club Penguin Island? And we can only hope that it does. That's all the news for this week. Oh man, thanks. No problem. Uh, I've got some. I got some new releases. Um, courtesy of Tech-Gaming.com, our Nintendo Switch releases are not on the list because, well, our list dates straddle our our recording date. Therefore. They're not. But we'll talk about them next week. <laughs> or, or we could talk about them now. I mean, I think we've got a list of... Don't we, don't we have a list of the uh, launch? Switch release dates? Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, let's... I can rattle them off, probably. All right. So first of all, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. That's like um, supposedly really good, right? Are you getting this, Jeremy? I think you were I I have been looking for forward it, right? to it for like years now. And I guess it's... Remember last week we talked about like the hype curve? Or maybe, maybe it was the week before that. I'm sort of on my downtrend hype curve. Like I'm now at the point where, hey, that's really cool. I'll eventually get around to playing it. Um, so I, I don't know. It's not really in my cards to, to pick it up this week, but I'm definitely interested in checking it out. I do I do kind of... Here's the other thing. Like, I don't really like to get ahead of myself when it comes to reviews and stuff. I'm totally okay to wait for people to review it and kind of tell us, like, what it's like and how good it is. And I haven't really read any of the reviews yet. I know that they are circulating out there, but uh, eventually, I guess, is my answer. Neither have I. But, yeah, uh, yeah maybe on my list eventually. Uh, Final Fantasy XV, A King's Tale. This is some DLC that's coming out? No, actually, right? this was the promotional game that uh, Square Enix made available for pre-orders of Final Fantasy XV. It's like a side-scrolling beat-em-up type game. Like a oh, double, double dragon type game. I didn't game. Even know this was a thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was previously only available for, for pre-orders, and uh, now they're going to be making it available for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One users across the board, whether you own the game or not, and that'll be on March 1st. All right. And Torment, Tides of Numenera, coming to PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Dale pre-ordered this years ago. Yeah, Dale, this was how a, excited are you? This was a crowdfunding joint. Um, and back when it was announced, I was pretty excited. But this is, I think it's literally been at least three years. Probably more like four Wow. years so or more. You forgot that money was spent. Um, yeah, I literally, I, I have no idea when that money was spent uh, or how much it was <laughs> or how much it was I, I you know i think it was probably like 50 bucks or it might have been 75 or something it was like in that neighborhood um wow. but uh to answer your question i'm i'm not very excited at the moment just because i don't know where i'm gonna ever fit this thing in but we'll see 
Yeah. Dep- depends on cool. how much time you set aside for reading. This is I why guess. Kickstarter and crowdfunding of games is doesn't work for me. I've come to discover. But too late. You're excited at a time, but years later, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Turns out video games take a long damn time to make. <laughs> and play. <laughs> and play. Yeah, that's uh, also, Harvest Moon 64 to the eShop, so if you care about that. On the Wii but, yeah. U. I, I put that in there because it's like it's literally <laughs> coming to the Wii U just in time for that Days system. Days before the Switch is released. Exactly. Like, great timing. Awesome. Well, the Switch isn't releasing with Virtual Console to start, I believe, right? No, that's correct. That's absolutely true. So, maybe the Wii U will still, still be relevant for a little while. Maybe. Which, anyway. Nobody whatever. wants to play oh, an N64 game in this day and age. Period. So. Nobody. Nobody. N64 is garbage. Yes, it is. All right. I'm going to rattle off the Switch games in alphabetical order. I'm not going to talk about them, but here they are. 1, 2, 3, Switch, Fast RMX, Just Dance 2017, Human Resource Machine, I Am Setsuna. Did you play that, Jeremy? I did, and actually I'm kind of surprised. That's actually coming out at launch with the Wii, That's with the what Switch. the GameSpot says. All right. Uh-huh. We'll take them at their word. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, Little Inferno. Shovel Knight, Skylanders, Imaginators, Snipper Clips. I guess they uh, end up announcing that for launch. Hmm. Uh, Super Bomberman R, uh, World of Goo, and I believe that um, Binding of Isaac is also a launch title, but not on this list. No, it was it was delayed. Oh, it was. Yep. Oh man, yeah, just the other Bad. day there was news that it was. Damn, I don't know how All big right. a delay. It might only be a week or two, but it's not launch. Launch window. I mean, that's yeah. not the worst launch lineup I've ever heard, I, I guess. Well, a lot of it is like ports from others. I mean, World of Goo's, what, six years old at this point? Oh, I'm sure it's older than that. It's got to be like a 15-year-old game. <laughs> it feels like it anyway. Yeah, you basically have like a couple games here that are new games, right? right. World you of Goo was one of Legend the first... Legend of Zelda, when I, when I first Snipper got, Clips, uh, Bomberman R. World of Goo was one of the first games I played when I first got a gaming PC, and that was like... That was January 2009, and that game was already probably six months old at that point. See, I remember that game at first on the original Wii because you would, you know, the thing was you would pick up these globs using the yeah. pointer control and like glob the. the I stuff played it on together. PC. My kids yeah. have it on their Kindles. I mean, that game yeah, is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> there it anyway, is. Uh, so those are the new releases. Um, so buy a Nintendo Switch and play those games, or not. Well. And, Speaking of uh, Nintendo Switch uh, and new consoles, new platforms, um, that's what we're going to be talking about for our topic this week. This time around, we want to talk and explore the topic of uh, what's your ritual? How do how do you go about experiencing a new platform? Do you get them at launch? Why do you get them? Do, does, do you wait for one game that you like, or do you wait for ten games that you like, or do you buy them used? from a pawn shop six months in what's you know when is it time is there a groundhog sort of thing any any sort of indication <laughs> do you, six months what, from the date what tells yeah. you uh when to buy and and why um i i have decided and i think i have even just recently talked about this too i've kind of figured that with Mostly by virtue of the financing options that are available through places like Best Buy, you know, where if you if you make a purchase that's over like a hundred and fifty dollars or something, they'll give you six months, just like same as cash to to pay it off. I kind of generally have been getting them pretty close to launch, um, I, you know, because I I feel like on any given platform, personally, I will 
almost assuredly at some point get my value out of owning that system. Um, hardware also traditionally does not reduce in price very quickly. Uh, the only uh, exception to that that I can think of is the 3DS, which you know <laughs> had, the, had the whole ambassador, ambassador program. program. Yeah, and, yeah, and on wait, that one, I'm waiting to cash in on that in about six months. Exactly. So here's the thing. Actually, even on the ambassador program, so I did not get the. 3DS at launch, but I bought it on the last possible day to get in on the Ambassador <laughs> program, and so I actually got the benefit of going into a Walmart, and they had already started honoring the new price, so I actually got it at the lower price, oh, man. and then still got the Ambassador program. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see... I mean, Classic we, Jeremy fashion, right? It, it was, <laughs> yep. Game and this, min-maxing, the whole thing. Um, so I, I probably will get a Switch eventually, just because I'm sure um, y- you know that, that I will have fun with it and, and eventually get it and you know like i said when you get to spread the cost all your what... nintendo club friends are going to have it I- exactly in fact they are so come on down to the you know utah 3ds which I'm probably gonna have to change oh, the name yeah. of that group and uh see see some nintendo switches in action uh we're gonna have some sweet chain net hoops that we're gonna be dunking all day um yeah so that, that, that's kind of my thing is i usually do get it pretty close to launch these days um i think i've gotten most stuff on launch since the original ds i got that on launch um, I did not get an Xbox 360 for a few years, and then everything else I've pretty well gotten within the launch window, I, I guess I would say, just because it's easy to do, and, you know, I'm eventually going to... I, I hate the idea of of watching for months as games on a platform pass me by and then become difficult to get, and, you know, so I, I generally just go with it. You know, I don't... I'm, I'm thinking... I'm just, just having a think here, and I don't... I don't recall ever getting a console at launch. Uh, I mean, from from the NES to the to the SNES to the to the PlayStation to the PlayStation Two um, to the the 360, the PlayStation Three, uh, the Wii, um, and then all the portable stuff in between. I yeah, there's there's nothing that I got at launch. You know, the closest thing to launch. To for the the system that I got closest to launch, probably Vita. the Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, because, and I, I don't I don't recall exactly how close to launch it was, but it was still in stores when I bought it, so it must have been pretty close to launch. <laughs> Heartbreakingly <laughs> close that you never did it again. Uh, uh, is is yeah. how that went. Um, so, so what's usually your catalyst then? Is it like a price drop? Is it like a particular individual title that you go for? Um, do you have a method? Is it just however the mood well, strikes it's a, you? It's a tough question, just because it's been—I don't know if it's been like a conscious decision. It's just that's kind of how it's always worked out. So, like, I can tell you for a given system, like what sold me on it, um, and I won't go all the way back in time or anything. But like, but let's just start with the PlayStation. It was basically it had already been out for probably two years when I heard that uh, Final Fantasy VII would be coming to it. Uh, I like immediately bought it and then waited, you know, six months for the game to come out. Um, and then, so for, for the PS2, I was definitely hyped for that thing to be released, but I was, you know, like first, second year of college, I didn't have any money. So it was, I think I ended up buying one from a friend, maybe a year or 18 months in or something like that. And then with the the 360, it had already been out for, I don't know, maybe a year or so, and I bought that to play Oblivion, and then it was, for the PS3, it was, um, I think it was MGS4 that finally made me buy one. Um, I, I got a Wii at some point also, just because it was the craze, 
Uh, but it had, it, that had been out for, I mean, that thing was really hard to find for a long time, right? And then mm-hmm. by the time I got one, it was not at all hard to find. So, right. so I don't remember when exactly it was. But Yeah. Con- convenience makes a big difference to me, too. Like, I, I kind of considered maybe the NES Classic, but then just seeing how difficult it is, I'm just like, no, I'm not interested. For yeah. Yeah, if that had been, like, walk in and find them on the shelves, I would have gotten that. I would have bought one, too. You know, day one. They missed out. Those guys are idiots. Yeah, now it's like I don't really even care. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. I was totally all about it for a long time, and now, whatever. Same here. Right, yeah. Yeah, I've generally been a PC gamer for most, you know, for the most part. But uh, I think uh, most recently I had a PS4 at launch. On launch day, I pre-ordered one. Um, I don't know the reason why. I think I just wanted to get on the next generation because Destiny. I never had. You wanted to play Destiny, Rise of Rise of what was Rise of Destiny? <laughs> Rise of there De- were no launch. What were the launch games for PS4? Do you guys remember? Uh, I remember Knack. Yeah, I didn't have that. Yeah, Knack. I don't know what games I Drive bought. Club, I don't know what right? I even wasn't Drive Club a very early. One? Oh, I, I bought Assassin's Creed Black Flag. That's what I played on the PS4. Black yeah, Flag, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's a good game. So uh, I, I think. Yeah, that I, I bought a PSP on launch date um, with Wipeout, <laughs> whatever. And then uh, the Wii, actually, my wife waited in line at Walmart and got me a Wii on launch day. Uh, so I did have a Wii, um, but I, I didn't get my games until Christmas, so I couldn't really do anything to it with it until Christmas. But yeah, for whatever reason now, it's like, you know, you get older, you have more disposable income, and it's like, oh, I feel like I should, you know, new video game systems coming out. I'm, I'm just gonna get one. You know, I, yeah, I was gonna say I, I should just like drop by how Best I am right now with the Switch or whatever. I should just drop by my local retailer and pick up a Switch. This, I mean, I, I assume they'll have enough there, right? Just so yeah, that well, I can finally get one. I, at I like your, like your mention of convenience, Jeremy, because I wouldn't have even, you know, I, I wasn't going out of my way to pre-order a Switch. I didn't stay up late like people did or whatever happened and the only reason why i'm getting one is because my brother ended up having an extra pre-order he's like hey i'm gonna cancel one of these unless you want it and i'm like oh well that's convenient yeah you know? so, <laughs> exactly um i i happened to have some extra money come in from a side job that i did that i didn't think i was going to be paid for so that money came in and i just you know i got paid over venmo and just transferred the money directly to my brother so it was like it didn't really cost me any out-of-pocket money that you know, it was money that I didn't think I had anyways. But, right. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I, I generally, you know, it's weird because the Switch is coming out and there's like one game on there that I even would care to play and that's yep. Zelda, you know, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot on there and it's kind of weird, but I, I, I kind of, and kind of am now subscribing to the Jeremy Lamont mentality where, yeah, you, if you're going to plan on getting one, you might as well just get it as soon as you can and then enjoy it you know, for the entire life cycle, because the Wii U I bought pretty late in the life cycle. Um, and, you know, the, the the only benefit of doing that, I guess, is that you have a library of games already built in that you can just play. You know what's good. Everything's been reviewed, and you can just, you know, pick and choose the games that are actually good that you want to deal with. So um, it's kind of... And you never know with new hardware, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah, so, that's true, too. I mean, there, there are lots of reports out, some early reports on the Nintendo Switch about you know, heat issues and the controller gate or, you know, whatever is going on with controllers not being able to connect and things like that. So you never know what's going to happen. I mean, it could be that it fails, it falls on its face and Zelda's the, the only good thing that ever comes out of it. And 
Yeah, who knows? I don't know. You know, it's funny too about about Zelda and about the software titles um, being appealing or not. I, I was just uh, it just suddenly I, I recalled that for the PlayStation Three, the very first thing I bought for the PS Three, uh, and, and you know it was within the span of a few days, but the very first thing I bought was Calling All Cars, the, <laughs> the David Jaffe game, which was like uh-huh. a fifteen dollar game or whatever. And I remember telling somebody like, "Oh yeah, I got a PlayStation Three, and they're like, "Oh man, what did you what did you get for it?" And I'm like, "I got this little car game where you race around like 1920s <laughs> cops and robbers." And they're like, "What? What? You paid six hundred dollars for that?" Uh, which you well, know, the I, PS4 for the longest time, all I had was Resogun, right? Like, yeah. Until I decided, just okay, I guess I'll buy Assassin's Creed. Yeah. I was just sure. playing Resogun over and over again. Well, I had on was like on PS3, it was uh, Super Stardust HD. I had that was like the only thing I had for a while, and I didn't even pay for that. It was game shared to me, so <laughs> it's like, hmm. yeah. Had, had the system and no games. That's awesome. That's true. Well, uh, that's how we kick the tires on our video game consoles, folks. But uh, we'd love to hear from you about that, too. Um, we uh, are on social media. You can find us over on twitter.com slash show for the group. And uh, we'd certainly love to hear more from you about uh, anything that you heard from us in the news this week or your discussion of when you choose to adopt a new console. Uh, if you would like to uh, reach out to us individually, you can also find us there. I am individually at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. And I am at Count Elmdor. We also have a twitch.tv streaming channel, uh, twitch.tv slash Show, where you can find our fourth man, Jared Redeye Dunn, who streams there weekly at least over at twitch.tv slash Show. You can also find the archives of our stuff over at youtube.com slash Show. Check that out. Uh, also visit our website, GameByteShow.com, where you can find an archive of all of our past work as well as some video sidebars showing some of the stuff that we've done over on our video streams. And you can subscribe there via iTunes and via RSS. And uh, it's very linkable, so feel free to link people to GameByteShow.com and have them subscribe and tune in and join us. Uh, You know, it's not quite the launch window for the GameByte Show, but uh, we certainly plan on having a lot more great episodes to make it worth your while. Uh, We will be back in just a few days' time at the midweek to discuss the video games that we have been playing. Until then, this has been your Game Byte Show podcast. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya laters. Later.